want to get right into the word. If you'll stand with me, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, verse number 23. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Wow. Not a bunch of texts today, not a bunch of scriptures here to lead us off. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You didn't get it. Nobody got it. Nobody's reading the same. Is everybody reading the same word? Do we have the word up here? We're missing something. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How many believers do we have in the house? How many can believe God can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it? He is a possible God. He's not an impossible God. He's a possible God. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. Oh, I thank you for your word. I ask you today to anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost to speak the word with boldness. Touch our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you'd have to say to us today. God, anoint me. Let me speak the words that you've given me to speak. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to preach for a few moments with the thought, nothing is impossible with my God. Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. There's nothing going on in your life that God can't fix. Because nothing's impossible for my God. I woke up a few nights ago with this message on my heart. The thought that kept running through my mind was, all things are possible. All things are possible for those that believe. All things are possible for those that believe. We got a believing problem today. We've got to believe on Christ. We got to believe in our God. Lord. Bill and Becky Harness were evangelists. They're pastor friends of ours now in West Memphis. Before they started pastoring, they traveled to minister to kids and camps and revivals and kids' crusades, vacation Bible school. Usually they went by the name of Karate Man. If you knew him, you know exactly who Karate Man is. Bill Harness is notorious for different puppet characters and his, own, and his own stage character was Karate Man. Along with their daughter, Heather, they would perform a song at kids camp called There's Nothing My God Cannot Do. And I, I asked the fellas up there if they could hit that for me today. Do you have it? Don't have it. They, they had a computer crash today. I want to read some of the words from this song. The course of the song says, My God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. It goes on and it says it two or three more times. It goes into the verse. It says, in the beginning, God made everything. God simply spoke and the world came to being. He sent a flood and made everything new. He parted the sea and let his people walk through. 
He helped a boy to bring a giant right down. Joshua marched, and the walls fell to the ground. These acts of power are worthy of praise. But if you want to question my God and his ways, I'll look you in the eye and I'll say, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing that my God cannot do. Hallelujah. 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 My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. Nothing is impossible for our God. The dictionary defines impossible as incapable of being incapable of being done, not able to occur or exist. I'm here today to tell you. I'm here today to encourage you and to let you know that God knows exactly what you're going through this morning. He knows exactly. He knows your heart's intent. He knows the thoughts that you have right now. This is an almighty God. I want, to, I want to paint a picture today and let you know that God is so big and so mighty. He knows everything, every secret, every secret door of your heart. He knows it all today. There's nothing hidden before Him. He knows you inside and out. He knows your habits. He knows your favorite food, your favorite movie. He knows it all. And He knows how to push your buttons. God knows exactly where you're at today. He knows where you live. He knows who you live with. He knows what we've done. Good, bad, and the ugly. He knows who's done us wrong and all that goes along with our story. God already knows the situations that you're dealing with today. He knows the people in your life. He knows the people in your life that needs to come to know Him like you do. He knows the hurts, the regrets, the sorrows that each one of us has. He knows your needs. Matthew 6 and 8 says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Before you even ask God for something, He already knows. He already knows. With God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. He's capable of doing the things people say can't be done. He makes happen what people thought could never occur or exist. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's an almighty God. God's here today to do a special work in your life. If you have not already received what God has for you, He's still here. He's still waiting on you. Is your cup, as Brother, Brother Ron, uh, Bishop, uh, Bishop Ron Webb would say, is your cup up or is it turned over? We have to have our cup ready to be filled up by God. Don't think for a second, if you're sitting here, you hear the sound of my voice. That you're good enough to deserve God's favor. Let me tell you right now, none of us are. I'm not good enough. Brother Andrew's not good. Brother Scotty, Brother Jordan, Shelly, my mom, my dad. It doesn't matter who you want to point out. None of us are good enough to deserve God's favor. Guess what? He loves us anyway. He loves us anyway. He cares for you and me and only wants what's best for his children. Sometimes the church world wants to read the Bible like it's a history book with knowledge of the past. 
we know from scientists, Sister Vanetta, we watch videos and things. I know she brought us a video one time. Every time they try to prove God wrong, they keep proving him right. They say the Red Sea, that never happened. They didn't split open. Yet they found chariot wheels in the bottom of the Red Sea. This book we call the Bible is a revelation of who God is. This book we call the Bible brings life because it's alive. (laughs) This book we call the Bible is still God's instructions to live by, and it's still good to die by. (laughs) Hallelujah. There are promises we can hold on to. Here's, Here's something, though, I think we need to do. We need to start and recognize that God is our creator. Not only is he our creator, he loved us so much that he formed mankind in his very own image. Wow. He didn't do that for the other creatures. Look at the giraffe. Can you imagine if we was all sitting up here with big long necks, we'd have to have a taller church. He loved us so much he created us in his image. We were created special. Knowing how much he loves us, I began to think of some of the other things that God does for us. First off, he woke us up this morning. We're breathing his air. It feels good to breathe this morning. I think I'm just going to keep on doing it. He's my redeemer. God sent his only son to redeem mankind. He saved me. He forgave me my sins. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? Hallelujah. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the giver of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. My God is all-knowing, all-wise, and all-powerful. My God is awesome. He's my bread of life when I'm hungry. He's my living water when I'm thirsty. He's my wonderful counselor. He's my prince of peace. He's my rock when I'm sinking, standing on sinking sand. He's my refuge when there's nowhere else to go. He's my high tower that I can run into. My God is awesome. My deliverer when I need to be loosed. My healer when I need to be well. My provider whenever I'm in need. He is gracious, He's merciful, He's compassionate, ever-present. That's our loving God today. He's the Father to the fatherless. He's the defender of the weak and the needy. He's the vine and the vine dresser, and He's the unchanging. He's the Abba Father, light of the world, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and our soon-coming King. That's my God. My God does the impossible. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's why I'm preaching. Nothing is impossible for my God. I was reading yesterday about Sarah and how she gave birth at the age of 90. I thought, nothing is impossible for my God. And then I thought, is anybody in here wanting to get pregnant and have an Isaac that's of age? Sister Vanessa, Sister Margaret, you guys good on kids? He does the impossible. We read in the Bible about David. 
how he's going to deliver some food to his brothers. And he was like the first, uh, what is that, Grubhub? That was David. He was taking food to his brothers, and he ended up delivering the army. He ended up delivering Israel. On paper, this was a bad matchup for David. It was little David versus a giant. That's not a good matchup. In basketball, they set picks constantly. People run around. Why? They want to get the right matchup. And if they can get a little guy on a big guy, that's what they want. And the big guy's going to go down low and call for the ball. It's a bad matchup for David. It's a terrible matchup for David. Saul was trying to prepare David for battle with the giant by giving David his own armor. David was smart enough to know he couldn't use the armor of man. David's faith was not in armor. It was in a God. David's faith was in his God, knowing that nothing is impossible for his God. He had already killed a lion and a bear with his own bare hands. Nothing is impossible for David's God. God had already delivered him before, and God was about to do it again. With the slingshot in his hand, he landed the impossible shot with a possible God directing a rock right to the forehead of the giants. Do you remember the story? Guess what? You and I face giants every day. We face giants every day. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves trying to use the world's method, the world's armor to deliver us out of our situation, trying to do everything on our own. We try to do everything we can, Brother Scotty. We need to ask God first. I'm not saying don't do anything. We're supposed to do things. But we need to ask God first. Ask God first. Don't try to get to your wits in. Don't go looking, kicking through the snow, looking for your phone. Ask God first. Then go kick the snow. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If I leaned on my own understanding, I wouldn't have got out of bed this morning. How many woke up today and you just felt awesome? You felt refreshed. You was ready to go. How many woke up with some pains and some sores and you're thinking, man, I'm thinking about that new bed that raises me up and down because I need some help here. That was me. Me and Shelly live in the 60s and 70s still. We're, we're sleeping on a free flow water bed. Trust in the Lord because he's the God that, that nothing is impossible for him to accomplish. He's the God that has delivered me and you before. If we think back in our own story, we'll think back how God delivered us. Delivered us. Delivered us. Think of Paul and Silas in the jail cell. They needed deliverance. What'd they begin to do? Like Brother Andrew did, they begin to sing. They begin to sing praises. You know, after a while, when you start singing praises, it doesn't matter where you're at, what you're doing, who's got your bound. It doesn't matter what's going on. All of a sudden, you start singing them praises to God. All of a sudden, you, you just change. Your mind begins to change. You start going into a different spot, and your mind is like, praise the Lord. And then you wake up and like, oh, I'm still here. Paul and Silas begin to praise the Lord, and the shackles begin to fall. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stop trying to figure everything out for yourself. Stop leaning on your own understanding, your own knowledge. God will give you insight where no one else can. Place everything into God's hands. Because you know what? In His hands, nothing is impossible. There are impossible situations that's going to come up. But I'm going to trust in my nothing is impossible for our God. That's what I'm going to trust in. 
the Israelites. They were leaving the bondage of Egypt when Pharaoh decided he was going to recapture them and bring them back to captivity. That sounds like us today. Saying, Pastor, how does that sound like us? How does that sound like us? We leave a lot of sin behind. We leave, a lot, we leave a lot of things behind us when we get saved. But the devil gets mad, and he decides, I want you back. God delivers us from an addiction. God restores our marriage. God provides finances. He heals our body, touches our hearts and emotions, or does some, something else that's just as miraculous, and then the enemy starts attacking it makes him mad. It makes the enemy mad and he declares an all-out war with you. The devil is mad that you made a commitment to God and he wants to bring you back to the chains and the slavery and the bondage that you were in. He seems to have snared us again. The enemy fooled us again. That same old sin may have tricked us again. But our God is the God that does the impossible. Galatians 5 and 1 says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, or the freedom is what that word means. Stand, there, uh, stand fast, therefore, in the freedom by which Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to it. When the devil goes to attack and he tries to put the same old thing back on you, start praising the Lord. Start worshiping the Lord. Start getting on your knees and praying. Start reading the Word. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry, I get so excited. This has been burning in me all week. I wanted to preach it Wednesday, and I couldn't. It wasn't time. When we don't see a way out, God is the God of the impossible. The Egyptian army had the Israelites trapped, and there was no way of escape. But God made a way. There's nothing too big for our God. Nothing's impossible for our God. Even when we don't see a way, God has a slingshot with a rock with it. For you to throw. God has a Red Sea that he's about to open. God has a miracle on the way. Don't give up. Remember, nothing's impossible for your God. The Israelites are trapped. Nowhere to go. What are they going to do? God wasn't worried. He wasn't scared. He wasn't trying to figure, well, let me get the mathematicians out. Let's see if we can fight them. Let's see what we can. No. He knew what he's going to do. Tells Moses, stretch out the rod. They walk on dry land. The seas part. The Bible says it over and over. There was walls to the left, to the left, and to the right. The waters parted. The left to the right. They were walls to the Israelites, what the Word says. And they walked through on dry ground. If that wasn't a big enough miracle, after they get through, the, the uh, pharaohs chasing them, the chariots, the, the fighting men of, of Egypt is after them. And what's he do? He brings the walls crashing down on them. To all of Israel seen dead men on the shore. Hallelujah. He's the God of the impossible. When we're at our lowest point, when we're at the point of no return and there's no way out, that's, like, that's, that's when God wants to do the impossible in your life. You're in a position for a miraculous miracle when you're totally dependent on God. Nothing else will work. Make God your first choice, not your last resort. We serve a God that works the possible 
in an impossible situation. In the book of Mark, we find our text today. If you remember the story, there's a boy that needs to be delivered. So they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the demon spirit saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed the boy. And he fell to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Jesus, seeing all this nonsense, starts talking to the dad. We see this, we get all crazy and get worried about something. Jesus is like, okay. How long has he been this way? Do you know what? God's not nervous about anything. God, we have a deadline. God, you see what's fixing to happen. God, you know what's going on. God's sitting there. So how long you had this problem? He asked some questions. How long has this been going? The boy's father said, this has been going on since he was a child. The boy had an unclean spirit in him that would throw him into the fire and they would sometimes throw him into the water trying to destroy this boy. It doesn't matter what happened in the past, though, because the impossible was about to take place. This father was desperate. He went to the disciples for this demon to be cast out. But this kind only come out through fasting and prayer. So when he went to Jesus, Mark 9.25, when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. I love this. Because they were holding back the crowd. And then when they started getting loose, started coming towards Jesus, Jesus thought, I better take your business real quick. He reaches down there. He tells him, he, he tells this unclean spirit, he said, I rebuke you, you deaf, dumb spirit. I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit in the boy cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And the boy became as one dead, so that many said, he's dead. They think Jesus has killed the boy. Mark 9, verse 27 but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. When you think all hope is lost and you think that he's dead, Jesus just reaches down and picks him up. The life is back into the body. The life is there when Jesus is Why? He's the God of the impossible. There's delivering power when you call on the name of Jesus. There's authority. Matthew 10 and 1 says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. He's given you and I the same power. What are you doing with yours? I didn't expect a lot of amens there. Nothing is impossible for God. I want us to get this in our spirit today. When the doctors have tried and the medicine's not working, nothing is impossible for our God. When Jesus walked on this earth... He did what everyone thought to be impossible. He made possible. I have a few examples. John chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Jesus turns the water into wine at a wedding in Canaan. Matthew 8, 15. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law that's sick with a fever. Matthew 8 and 3. Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. Matthew 9 and 6. Jesus heals a paralytic who was let down from the roof. Luke 7, 14, Jesus raises a widow's son from the dead in Nain. Mark 4 and 39, Jesus calms the storm on the sea. By the pool of Bethesda, Jesus saw a man who had been disabled for 38 years. Wow. And John 5, 8, it said, 
Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. What, thought was, what everyone thought was the impossible, Jesus made possible. No one thought they'd ever see this man walk. They never even thought the man would get in the pool. Jesus spoke the word. He said, get up. Get up and walk. Take your bed up. Get your mat. Hit the road. It didn't matter that the man had been lame for almost four decades. When Jesus said walk, he walked. John chapter 6, Jesus fed a crowd of over 5,000 people with five small loaves and two sardine-sized fishes. Pastor, how do you know that? This is my sermon. They were sardines the way I read it. Small fishes. I believe they were small. How could so little feed so many? The math didn't add up to the disciples. Jesus, how are we going to do this? Wow. When you see lack and you don't think there's enough, it still doesn't limit Jesus. It still does not limit him. Why? Because nothing's impossible for our God. Little is much when God is in it. Sometimes I think we need to let God do the multiplying in our lives because our math never adds up. It doesn't add up right. When he does the math, it works for us. Later on, John 6 and verse 16 uh, when, when a strong wind stirred up the sea and the terrified disciples, they strained the, with the oars to make it to shore. What's Jesus do? Jesus walked on the water. That's impossible. Jesus said, I created it. I can step on whatever I want to step on. I walk on whatever I want to walk on. He come walking on the water. He calmed the storm. God walks all over the things that we struggle with. Everything you struggle with in your life, it's under his feet. And because it's under his feet, it can be under my feet. And so I'm going to walk it out step by step. It's going to be right there, devil, and I'm going to crush you. Lord, help us. God walks all over the things that we struggle with. He walks all over the things that scares us. God walks on the things that might cause us harm. God, how can... How can we do this? God says, step on it. Put it under your feet. In the book of John, chapter 11, when Lazarus died, his sisters, his sisters' hopes, their dreams, they died with him. But Jesus transformed their impossibility into a perfect opportunity to glorify God by bringing Lazarus back to life. Now, we don't hear a lot of amens about that. But if there was a dead man sitting up here, and, we, and Brother Scotty come up here and prayed for him, and he sat up and started breathing and started walking, I'll bet you some praises would start going up or somebody start hitting the doors because they'd be fearful for what's going on. Nothing is impossible for our God. When you think that God's not doing it quick enough, He has power over time. When there's something you're praying for and you just wish you could be there, he has power over distance. When you're praying for the best, don't worry. He has the power over quality. Oh, my word. I could, I could preach on that for a little bit. When we don't think we have enough, he has the power over quantity. When, the, when a storm is blowing through our region, he has the power over nature. Every time a storm comes through, I see my dad walk out on his porch and he starts rebuking it. Everybody that see him, I think, what is that old man doing? 
I'm just thinking, thank God I live close to him because he's rebuking it and it's going to miss us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. When we don't think that God understands all the bad things that has happened, he has power over our misfortunes. And when we think that something is dead in our lives, when we think that there's no hope, it's dead, it's buried, it stinks by now, he has the power over death. Nothing is impossible for our God. And when I talk about power over death, they're not, I'm not just not talking about the physical. I'm talking about the things in your life that may have died. You thought this is never going to happen. This is death. These things are never going to be able to be raised. You serve a God of the impossible. Would you stand with me? Are you ready to believe for bigger and greater things? I'm going to ask again. I want to hear you. Are you ready to believe for bigger and greater things? We all should be praying for that. Are you ready to trust God and stop leaning to your own understanding? Are you ready to stop looking at the facts and say nothing's too big for my God? Because of the fact of the matter is, nothing is impossible for our God. Hallelujah. I want to pray. And after I pray, I know we're just a little bit past 12. But I want to seal this sermon in your heart. Nothing is impossible for your God. Say it with me. Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. I don't care what the situation is. You tell me, Brother Drew, you don't understand. It's this, it's that. I've got the government. I've got this. I've got whatever's on me. Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. You've come too late to tell me that he doesn't do miracles anymore. Absolutely. Shelly's going to sing this song. I want us to find a place in the altar. I want us to talk to God. Begin to praise him for who he is.